And that is the Encore LaGrange from September 22nd, 1999 at the Pan American Center in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And welcome everybody to episode 71 of the Daily Soundcheck. I'm your host, Mike Lawn Memo Minio. It's good to be back. It was a busy month for me at work. Things calmed down a little bit. I got a couple days to sneak away and see fish at MSG on the 28th, 29th, and 30th. Man, was that 30th show one of my favorites. What a heater. Unbelievable place to see fish is at MSG with a combination of lights, which are just off the hook, and the sound. It is one of the best around. It may not be great in some certain areas, but if you have a good seat and a good section, man, it's a pretty special place to see fish, and that was a pretty special show. So happy to be here and get back to work here on the sound check. Again, we're in episode 71. I have an awesome interview with Polly of Tau Polly and Coventry Music Blog. We'll get into that in just a few. But first, make sure you are following me on Twitter, of course. That is my favorite place to do any kind of work. And I am Lawn Memo over there. And you can actually make sure you're going to the dailysoundcheck.com, our website. That is the hub for the show. All kinds of links, pictures, everything is archived over there. It's a really good resource for the show. Wherever you're listening to The Daily Soundcheck, I would appreciate it if you give us a rating, whether that's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. I use an app called Podcast Addict because it hooks up with Android Auto very easily, and I uh, I go there, and that's where I get my podcast. So that's a cool place, but just give us a rating, or if you want to hit me up directly and kind of give us some feedback on the show, I always appreciate it. So saw a bunch of people over the break at MSG, and some of you reached out to me and said how much you dig the show. I'm very, very uh, appreciative of that. It's very nice of everyone to reach out to me. So let's get going here. Uh, just a couple, one more thing. I am, of course, affiliated the Daily Soundcheck with Osiris Media. We are Osiris Media right now. Right as I record this, the guys are doing some work with Goose. It, it's all kinds of stuff going on with Osiris. Make sure you're checking it out. They recently released the Big Cypress podcast, which is absolutely incredible, called After Midnight unbelievable stuff to to dig into they go into some crazy crazy stuff about the roadblocks and the different tribes working with the indians i mean it was enlightening you should definitely definitely check that out so if you need any help getting into any of the great osiris podcasts that we have hit me up and i will be happy to direct you so let's get into our podcast i want to introduce my guest Polly mcguire so when i Got all the list of sound checks going together. I reached out to some people that I really liked and let them pick a, a show they might want to be on. And Polly hit me up for today's show, which was an interesting one that took place again on September 22nd, 1999 in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And Polly is a very, very, very funny guy. Most of you probably know him by now, but we'll introduce him a little bit into the pod. So we recorded this about a week ago, and both of us had been sick. So if our voices aren't the best that you've ever heard, apologize, but we did our best, and I think it turned out pretty, pretty awesome. So we break down a little bit about 1999 as far as where Fish was playing. We break down where Polly was in life, uh, the drug scene in 1999, because Polly is certainly a great resource for that. And a little bit about, uh, you know, we actually talk about the helmet that I wear, so... A lot of great stuff. We talk a little bit about the venue and, of course, the sound check. So it's about 35 minutes of our interview here with Polly. And let's get right into that. After that, we'll come right back and I will talk a little bit about Las Cruces, New Mexico, a little bit about the sound check. And I've got, of course, 
an awesome track to play you from the show. So again, this is my interview with Polly McGuire, Tal Polly of Coventry Music Blog. All right, and welcome to the Daily Sound Check here. And we have one of my favorite people to talk to, hang out with, associate with, and certainly to talk fish with. And that's Polly McGuire. Polly, welcome to the show. Say a quick hey to everybody. Hey, thanks for having me on. So if you don't know who Polly is, you should. He does a lot for the community. He's one of the funniest people around. Polly runs a Twitter account at Tao Polly, T-A-O, and then Polly with one L for those of us that have trouble spelling. And he's also runs another killer Twitter account, and that's Coventry Music. And Polly, why don't you kind of talk about, because that's really where you got your start. Talk a little bit about Coventry Music, how that started and, you know, where that all came from. Wow. Um, You know, it started out as a place where friends of mine who went to Coventry could share stories because I think most of us had cell phones, but they weren't working at the time. So we all sort of missed each other. So it was kind of, it became sort of a spot where we could just post, you know, our experience and everything that went down. And obviously fish broke up and, you know, I didn't think anything else of the website at all other than those like four or five posts that we wrote. And then my buddy Neil uh, was living in Colorado at the time and he wanted some, he wanted an outlet to post, you know, music stuff. So, you know, he sort of took it over and was posting a bunch of stuff. Like you probably uh, checked out some of our like mixes that our buddy Jonas would post uh, these background beats. So we shared a lot of music and uh, just sort of, you know, dicked around until fish came back. And then all of a sudden it was like, wow, we sort of have a fish blog. So maybe we should just sort of continue this. And that's where I started writing about shows. And and then Twitter happened and I jumped on Twitter and then Instagram happened and I'm on Instagram. So, you know, I'm just waiting for the next big thing. You are a multimedia star, Polly. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Sort of. (laughs) So Polly's kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the big star right now. (laughs) So, you know, if you're not familiar with Polly, which, Again, would be kind of crazy at this point if you don't. But he's also known for kind of doing lot reports. He'll go to fish shows and talk about what prices of different paraphernalia or party favors are going for. So extra tickets, extra tickets, actually wholesome, wholesome stuff. Every once in a while, he'll post. Um, but Polly certainly has a voice. He's a partier and he's very funny. And uh, when I reached out to him about one of the shows he wanted to come on and talk with the Daily Soundcheck, he picked this obscure one here in New Mexico, which was hilarious for me because I know about five people that went to this show. So, Polly, let's talk a little bit. Uh, we're, we're here to talk about September 22nd, 1999 at the Pan Am Center in okay. La Cruces, New Mexico. New Mexico and fish. New Mexico fish. There's not a lot of shows in New Mexico. No, I think is this the last time they play there? Uh at the Pan Am Center? Yeah, I think so. I believe right? I believe that's correct. So so you told me uh yeah. just off the air just a second ago. How many shows in ninety nine did you do? Um, I saw forty shows in nineteen ninety nine. Out of what did you say four was it forty four? I think it was forty. I think they played sixty five or something like that. Okay, sixty five. So forty so out of sixty five. Yeah, I saw 14 that summer, and I saw 19 on that fall tour. I think they played 24 shows. So I only missed five shows that, that fall tour. Where were you living at the time? Um, I was living in Seattle and just moved back to New York City to take care, care of my mother, who had gotten really sick with cancer. So she was healthy, 
And I was like, well, I don't really have a place to live. I don't really have anything to do. I'm going to hit the road. And I just met this really cool fishy chick and uh, down in Texas, and we decided to go on tour together. And the rest is sort of history. So you did this show and then yes. a couple around it because yeah, nobody was just went the to the whole New- tour. Um, okay. So, yeah. So I flew New York city to Texas. We drove from Austin to Seattle and then uh, went over the border to Vancouver to see the show where they started the entire tour. So, and then they went to the gorge for two shows and then that started the whole West coast run down to Portland Boise and then uh, Shoreline, Chula Vista. I skipped the Irvine show and then uh, Tucson, Arizona into Las Cruces. What, what do you remember most about summer 99 and like fall 99 here? I guess uh, this is more fall. Wow. So fall 99, um, it was a little bit smaller because it's not you know summer tour. So you, you didn't have a lot of ki- you know kids off from school following fish. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the folks that were there were definitely part of the sort of touring infrastructure. I was trying to explain to uh, my wife right now how, you know, people didn't really fly to shows. Everyone was driving, you know, show right. to show. And there were several thousand people that went to every show. And when people skipped a show out of convenience, sort of like the Boise show or even like the New Mexico show, Fish liked to you know punish the fans. That sure. are just like, hey, we're looking ahead to the next shows. So I think a lot of people were looking ahead to that weekend, which was in Texas, in New Orleans. And so I could see why people are just like, yeah, I'm going to skip this New Mexico show. I don't need to see them there. So um, you went and what were what were you like in 1999? Um, I was pretty worked out. I had patchy pants and long hair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, I looked like Dave Grohl pretty much back then. Okay. So um, yeah, I kind of looked a little sketched out. So, but you know what though, I was probably just average per like what the average look looked like on tour back then. So you like, were, we're average like, look. Well, not really. I didn't have dreads or anything like that. Okay. I just had long hair. So it's like there were some still pretty looked out, you know, folks back then. So, but I would say you know I fit in. You know, I blended in well. You know, in the lot. So, but I definitely looked like a freak in, say, you know, normal civilian situations. <laughs> would you Would you say anyone on tour called you a look in 1999? Oh, uh, not at all. Not at okay. All. You were You were high class society. Um, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> so, were you but, partying pretty heavily in '99? Yes, of course. It was the '90s. Okay. You know, it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Okay. You know, yeah. So your trip uh, down here to New Mexico, do you remember anything that was crazy about that? I've read some stories about, you know, some police presence, different things. How was your your drive in? And do you remember anything about that? The crazy part was the night before in Tucson. And after the show, there was a crazy beatdown in the lot. Some kids were with, you know, with skateboards or beating the crap of this other guy. And you found out later on that the guy was selling bunk acid or something. And this was like lot justice. It was payback, you know. And, you know, I grew up I grew up in the Bronx, so I know hood shit when I see it. And I was like, you know, let's walk the other way and sort of whatever, just get out of this. But apparently the cops freaked out over that situation, kicked everyone out of the campgrounds. So we were supposed to camp out in Tucson, but sort of got misplaced and sort of became sort of like refugees for the night. And we had a crash at some random like truck stop, rest stop uh, on the way to Las Cruces or way to New Mexico. And so we didn't really sleep that much. So we roll into Las Cruces pretty tired. 
So, and I know I was pretty hagged out. So I needed some extra party favors to make sure <laughs> I could, uh, you know, enjoy the show. So sure. that's sort of how I remember. I was just super tired rolling in and it was just sort of, you know, just a weird night, weird vibes from the night before, you know, and it was just an amazing tour up into that moment. And that's when sort of that dark side of fish sort of reared its ugly head. And, you know, that's when the lot sort of tainted, you know, the, the vibe of the show. Why don't you talk a little bit about that for maybe some of our listeners that right. weren't around at that point. Talk about like the dark side of the lot a little bit and how things changed. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, just straight up on the drugs were, were a little harder. They're a lot different. A lot of yayo. Um, and I guess that's 90s slang for cocaine for you kids out there. I'd um, never heard a, that in my life, actually. Oh my God, wow. <laughs> you got to get out of Buffalo, bro. Um, <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> I, know, I thought they had good yay out there. Uh, it's a border city, right? Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of cocaine on the lot and a lot of harder stuff. Um, and, you know, at the time, I came in through the dead scene. And, you know, you didn't usually go to a show without mushrooms or, or acid. So you're on sort of a, a psychedelic trip. And then in the late you know 90s, ecstasy sort of comes more into the scene so and you know this was when it was great little hits you know they look like vitamins or whatever pills and uh you know one was great two are you know two are fantastic you know mm-hmm. you're gonna have a fun night so that was sort of you know definitely the shows were chemically enhanced and the crowds were definitely juiced up depending on the show depending on the city um and so you know for me it was still sort of a blend of psychedelics and sort of the rave drugs, you know? Um, but at the same time, too, there was this sort of underbelly on Fish Tour. And I don't want to say that they're like rejects from the Rainbow Kids. And if you know what Rainbow Kids are, then you're probably laughing right now. Or like, you know, Runaways or like, I don't know we to explain it, but there was a lot of like, you know, and then I don't know, it's just the 90s. There was a lot of like kids that just sort of, you know, there was this pre-social media and pre-cell phones. Like if you wanted to disappear, you just disappear. So I felt like there was a sort of an element on fish tour that was sort of simmering below the scenes that were just like these sort of lost kids of America that just sort of hopped on tour and they weren't really just there for the music. They were just sort of lost. It was just a tribe for them to follow, you know, and some of those kids, you know, were weren't really there for the love and light, you know, they were just there for the party. And then you throw in the locals and it felt like the locals in the Southwest were, you know, now we've all seen Breaking Bad. So, we know, it's just meth everywhere. So right. at the time, you're just like, oh, what's up with all these weird skater kids with baggy pants that are just like, you know, just buzz around nonstop, you know. And, you know, you know, now we all know they're all cranked up. But like mm-hmm. at the time, there was that sort of weird element sort of on the fringe of the scene, you know. And I think that sort of, I don't know, I, that's what was weird about those shows, like co- coming down from the West Coast see a lot of OG hippies and then now you're in the, the Southwest and it's sort of dirty down there, you know? And, yeah. and, you know, and yeah, so that sort of, you know, sort of cropped up and just part of that scene. What, uh, do you remember what you were driving at that time? Oh, uh, at the time, this is really funny. Uh, the girlfriend, Angela, her parents were Jesus freaks and they had this van that they would take old ladies to church to. Sorry, <laughs> 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 that's a true story. And we took that vehicle on tour and I had a big Jesus fish on the back bumper and stuff. And oh, God. yeah, and we tricked it out. Like you could sleep. We got rid of one of the back rows and you could sleep in there and stuff. Nice. It was just sort of, yeah, that was sort of our touring vehicle. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but when we went over the borders, we definitely rented a, a, another car or something like that 
we didn't take that over, you know, Canada or Mexico. So, but uh, yeah, you're a pro. You don't, you don't make that mistake. Yeah. 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 Nice. Uh, so what did you think of, um, I, 99 is an interesting year when we talk about musically where fish was longer jams, a little bit more monotonous and kind of, as you talked about, like, you know, what was going on with the scene, it kind of was making its way into the way fish played. And some people weren't all about the way that fish played in 99. I particularly enjoy like some of the, the grooves and the really chill laid back stuff. What did you think of, you know, well, where well, the music it, was? It's funny because it's revisionist history, right? At the time, a lot of, a lot of my friends were not into it. Right. sort of pissed right so right. we had the purists that were like fish 95 like 93 to 95 that's the perfect fish right and then you have the, your other you know friends that are just like no dude 97 was it you have no idea like you know 97 was the pinnacle peak fish you know sure. and then some people really like 98 so then 99 comes along you're like what the fuck is going on with these guys right and it's all yeah. over the place yeah. but you know after coming back and listening to some of these shows to prepare for this podcast I was like, damn, 99 yeah. fish was smoking, you know, like the kids, they have no idea. Like, <laughs> like a throwaway year, like 99, there were some amazing moments. Sure. So, but I think that they're building up, they didn't do a, a Halloween that year. So they were building up to, to make the stamina for the midnight set. Mm-hmm. And, then, and now, now we all, you know, we've all heard the big Cypress podcast, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I was there, so I don't know if you were, but. It's like they're there. They're trying to prep for that eight-hour set. You know, it's sort of like certain like like sports teams aren't just playing for the season. They're playing for the championship. You know, it's like Bill Belichick prepares for twenty games a season, not just sixteen. You know, great analogy. I so, like that. So I feel like Fish was trying to build up for that. It's like okay, we got to be able to stretch out songs whenever we need to. Uh, so you know, now we're now you know it's a revisionist history. You could go back and sort of look what were they trying to build to every night. And at the same time, too, their you know, Trey band uh, kind of came out for the first time. And then these tab songs started coming into Fish. And either you loved it or you hated it. So it's just, you know, there, there's always been, it felt like conflict between new material and old material and the current direction versus, you know, what just happened. And all your favorites from years past. Yeah, it's always a, a tough combination. Right, right. So, but, you know, looking back, you know, I enjoyed 99. I mean, that's, sure. I saw a lot of shows, you know, uh, I was falling in love at the time, you know, and it was just sort of just one of those moments, you know, that you just sort of always remember. Falling and, in love and a Jesus fan, you know, yeah, typical, she's typical love free, story. She, she checked, right, from Texas. I mean, I mean the, the, the script writes itself. Boy meets girl, yeah. boy and girl going walk van across the country, doing drugs, following fish. Yeah, it's, right, right, right. it's so a timeless girl, classic, as old as the time girl itself. Girl realizes she's a lesbian, the girl breaks up with boy, 9-11 happens, a lot of crazy <laughs> shit goes down. And now we're here, I'm talking to my buddy with the helmet. Oh, man, gotta love it. So, what do you any other stories that you want to talk about 99 before we kind of jump into the show? I mean, I mean, or- the people know about uh, everyone getting pulled over after the show, driving to Texas. Okay. Um, so, like, no, yeah, tell us about that. All right. Well, <laughs> there was like some sort of checkpoint set up. And I don't know if it was a sobriety checkpoint or like a citizenship checkpoint, right? Las Cruces is, you know, it's close to the Mexico border, but it's not like Chula Vista where you can see Mexico from the lot, right? So, I just remember having sort of an argument because with, with with the girlfriend, I wanted to go to Roswell, New Mexico, right? 
I don't know, I want to see alien shit. So she didn't. She wanted to get back home to Texas right away. She wanted to go meet her friends in Austin. You know, we had to like, we've been on the road for two, three weeks. So it's like, she wanted to get home, right? Right. So usually I would drive after the show, but that one night she decides she's going to drive. And, you know, the reason was, was she was, did not trust that I wasn't going to go to Roswell. So she ensured that we were going to go back to Texas and not have a detour to Roswell, New Mexico. So I could go hunt for aliens and stuff like that. So because of that, she's driving when we get pulled over. So I, I have no idea. I mean, you know, I consider myself a really good poker player. I'm, I've, you know, I have a very uh, interesting relationship with law enforcement and authority in general. Sure. But I know I probably would have handled it pretty well, but we did not get in trouble whatsoever. So she was able to sort of handle it in in a way that I might not have agreed with, you know, because right away she's mouthing off to the cop. She's like, I don't know how you do things in New Mexico, but this is not how we do things in Texas. Oh, geez. And I, that's wow. what I'm saying. I put my head in my head. I'm like, oh, my God, please shut the hell up. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm going to jail, you know, and it's just like, Jesus, like, you don't know what I'm carrying. Do you know what I'm holding? You know, and it's just sort of like it was just one of those moments where I'm like, Okay, well, I guess I got to call in all those favors with those fraternity brothers. You know, it's like I got to borrow all this money, get bailed out of jail. It's like, do I know any lawyers in in the in New Mexico? You know, this is all going through my head at this time. You know, and it's like I also know you shut the fuck up. You don't talk to cops, right? So I'm just right. looking ahead, straight ahead, and somehow, some way, she talks her way out of uh, them wanting to search the vehicle. So I don't know how to this day she pulled it off. Man, uh, yeah. So uh, I was able to retain my freedom. And we scooted over the border to Texas, and we did not look back. Crazy, yeah. So yeah, those moments, yeah, we've had those moments. Yeah, life, so, uh, and that life was a time where marijuana was still very illegal in a lot of parts of this country. No so, doubt, yeah. So, um, yeah, and I know some folks got got busted uh, that day, so or that evening, so. So let's talk about yeah. let's La talk about Cruces. happy things. So let's talk about All happy right. things. How? What do you remember about Las Cruces? What do you remember about the Pan Am Center and kind of the show? Yeah. Anything well, that stick know, out to you? When you told me you wanted to do the show, right? I was like, well, what do I remember from Las Cruces? And the and two things popped out right away: the 2001 opener and the Lagrange Encore, the bust out. Okay, so like that's you know. It's interesting because 20 years later, like, what do you really remember about things? And it's like, right. without having to look at the set list, like, those two things just popped up. And it sure. was just like, sort of like, boom, boom. And then, you know, I listened to the show. And then obviously, there are a few moments here or there, too, like that gin and obviously the ghost. But th- those are the two things that, you know, to this day, I still will gravitate to. And now, the thing is, they didn't open a lot of shows in 2001. Right. You know, right. In, in 98. And I think 99, they, they, they opened a lot of set twos with 2001. Correct. You know, that was like your 2001 dance party. I know you're Mr. 2001 aficionado over here. So you're going to flag me if I talk out my ass here. No, you're doing but, great. But 2001, they, they opened the show with that. So it's sort of like, whoa, hello. Are we talking Saturday night dance party on a Wednesday in New Mexico? And it's just sort of like, I was tired as hell. I, I ate two Mr. BCs, which are, kids say that's ecstasy. So I had two okay. hits and I'm just like, pff, I'm out of my gourd, you know, and the, the show just starts with 2001. Yeah. And it was sort of like, oh my God, this is great. You know, it's half empty, but I don't care. You know, Fish is making, you know, punishing everyone for missing this night. So that was an, you know, it was a great way to start the evening. 
And it's a fantastic 2001. Uh, it's about 15 minutes. And for those of you who haven't heard it, we're going to play it here on the podcast. It is absolutely awesome. So, uh, and then Lagrange, that's, that's pretty sweet too. I mean, they, how many, I mean, how I'll, many shows was that? Do you know? I don't know. Not, not okay. All. But it's, uh, if you don't know, it's a, it's a cover song from ZZ Top. Sure. I happened to see the other bust out when they played it most recently at SPAC, which I think was in 2012. Right. And that was like 600 shows or something, I think. I think it was that it, show. It was back to this show, right? I think that was it might have been. That's I think that sounds, sounds right. That's insane. Um, you know, it's great. And I, was in the, they, they I was in the shell. And I was in the shell for that show, and it was just deafening. I couldn't believe how loud it was. It was awesome. It's very, very cool. Moments, one of those moments. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the encore. You know, it's like Fish is sort of like, hey, we, we see the place is half empty. We're going to, you know, th- screw you guys. Thank you for coming. We're going to play a fucking song that I, we, we know you want to hear. So I felt that was cool. And same thing with like the Boise show when they busted out Peaches. I, sure. I, I felt like that, you know, that was kind of cool. So I had two moments that tour, you know, small room, like, you know, empty basketball arenas on college campuses that are just like, man, like why they're not, you know, why is this half empty? So, Paul, you, I just looked it up. You're, you're yeah. proving your worth. That was yeah, the last so. one until spec. So, there you, there you go. go. It was 300 shows. Paulie's okay. right so on. What it. was before that, though? What was the last time they played Lagrange before Las Vegas? 98 oh, in okay. Tennessee. Tennessee, so. 98. All right. Well, there you go. So, uh, so yeah, the show's great. I agree okay. with you. The 2001, the ghost is very, very good, very underrated. You had talked to me. You said how good, how much you were digging it. And didn't remember enjoying it as much in the, in the moment, but right, it is right. very, very good. Well, because you know that Portland ghost, right? Like, right, like, Portland Meadows. That, I mean, that ghost was insane. It was what was that like? Ghost like, Gym two thousand one yen. That was that set. It was like nuts. Yeah, it was thirty four you know? minutes. Just got released by uh, Shapiro and up from the oh, archives. Oh, so. Okay, well, there you go. You can listen to it, kids. And yeah. I mean, that was still in my head. And you know, so it was like, wow, they're playing ghost tonight. And if you listen to it and you should, yeah, it's, it's on your website and the daily ghost you wrote about it. Sure. And it's just sort of, I don't know. They did were patient. They took their time, but they were, it wasn't like they were searching. They, they knew where they were going, but they took their time getting there. And then when Trey decides she's going to take over, it's like, wow, he whips out that machine gun. And it's just, yes. that's it think- just one of those moments. And I'm re-listening to this going like, wow, this is really, yeah. Cool fish you know this is fish you know uh, it was just a random like it was a throwaway a throwaway show on a throwaway tour on a random like wednesday night in new mexico and you know trey's just ripping ghost it's just like i don't know we were just i was just so lucky to be there you know when you think about it a, most shows i think that we could say that i think it's always if you can make a show you got to feel a little bit lucky to be there right right so it's a good attitude and then what, what did Mike Gordon talk about? Like he, he, he always wanted to have one transcendent, mo- transcendent moment at a show. Yeah. I felt like Jin had one and the ghost. Yeah. You know? So, and then, as I said, I, 20 years later, what do I remember? The 2001 and the LaGrange. So there's four, four highlights 20 years later that you remember. That's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, I, I needed a nudge for the Jin and the ghost. <laughs> so I got you to listen to the sound check. Yeah, oh, uh, right. that's what we're here to really talk about, right? Yeah, well, we, we paint a little picture. We play the sound checks. We want to, you know, we're lucky enough to highlight some of these shows right. and take people back a little bit. So here's the thing. And I was in the lot. I didn't hear the sound check. Until I'm sure. Just, until just like yesterday. You just heard it for the first time? 
Um, yeah, for all intent and purposes of this podcast. Yeah. Okay. I mean, great. I know they played it on the bunny or whatever during uh, Big Cypress, Cypress. But I don't, I yep. don't remember hearing that then. Okay. So, but I remember that you know, my friends. I have a lot of friends that are fish fans that are Jewish, so they love Jew jokes. So I know they've played me that part of the uh, soundcheck. Uh, yeah, the soundcheck. So I've heard bits and pieces of it. So, but this is the first time I heard it all the way through. So and it's they, hilarious. It's funny because they make fun of uh, Zizix, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dickie Scotland and the bag of cash. I mean, I used to live in Vegas. So I, I know what that's like, you know. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just, you know, making fun of the band being half Jewish. You know? Yeah, I mean, so, it's... I mean, I think I just, that both you and I like a lot of things about fish uh, equally. And one of the things is the sense of humor. And this soundtrack kind of is is that but it also i mean it's actually like good music like it's fun to listen to right like they're making just ridiculous jokes about jewish culture and <laughs> band being jewish but like the melody and the beat is like really good like most bands i listen to couldn't sound that pose a song that that good right and they're so relaxed or i think that's like you know if people want to know what fish was like in the 90s like that's it like right there right they're just goofing around they're just they're trying to make each other laugh and they're right. so proficient at what they're doing, and they're just doing it without even thinking about it. And it's just sort of coming out organically. And it's sort of like that scene in Bittersweet Motel and Paige's, Paige's new shirt, you know? So it's like you're supposed to, like, yeah, that's sort of how Trey's like all the time, right? Right, right. And it's sort of like this is what fish is like when we're not there. You know, when they were right. practicing in Vermont up in the barn you know, six, eight, ten hours a day, you know, they're just doing stuff like this, you know, just cracking each other up. And, you know, and I think that was kind of cool that, you know, hey, we got to get that glimpse of fish having fun. You know, hey, it's Wednesday night. They got to go to work, but they're going to have fun doing it, you know. And I think, you know, you think about the age um, of the band, they're in their 30s. And, you know, for me, I'm just going about to finish mm -hmm. my 30s this summer and right. you've been through yours. And I think the th your 30s is a time where you're still a little innocent and joking around as a, as a adolescent. But you got a little bit of knowledge and stuff. So, like, mm -hmm. you could still just be a goofball, but you, you know what to do and you know right. how to play and things like that. So, it's a great time, you know, for the band and where they were in their lives. And I think that all it just if you wanted to play like a great thing of what Fish is all about, I think the sound check's a great thing to kind of be like, yo, this is exactly what fish is all about right and, I, and they definitely got the showbiz you know shtick down by that point yeah exactly <laughs> so um so anything else that you want to as far as memories or anything you want to talk about uh i don't know what did you like what did you like about the show or didn't like about the show i like all the things you did i'm <laughs> a huge fan of the 2001 major fan of the ghost the gin is cool um but those i really you know ghost and 2001 are my favorite two songs when they play killer versions, I'm a happy, happy camper. So okay, that's good. You know what's funny? That tour, it seemed like they played first tube every night. They just introduced yeah. first tube, but they played it like right. every night. They didn't play it that night, but they played sand, and sand was still a little rough. <laughs> you know, it yeah. wasn't like the sand we know today. So uh, you know, I remember it's like you know the, the you say, this tour. It's like wow, some of the new songs still need work. You know, right? But it's funny that like my friends wouldn't hear about it until. Like, maybe they got a tape back on the East Coast. It was just sort of weird how that happens. Like, now a new song comes out, we hear, we hear it right away. And, you know, we don't really, you know, we don't, I don't know, we're not catching it, like, on its 12th or 14th time, you know, right. more. So it's like, it's like, you know, it took a while for Mercury to get smoothed out, right? 
Sure, uh, sure. It took a Great example. Of, like, it took a while. I mean, they got first two down pretty well. It, I mean, it's kind of simple. But it took, you know, sand a while before they sort of smoothed that that, that out. So, yeah. but, and listening to this version, it just sort of reminded me like, oh, yeah, there's a time where, you know, you know, songs are rookies. They're still rough. They're still like, you know, rough around the edges. No doubt. Great point. So, uh, let's just, uh, one thing I want to plug for Polly is right. he is a professional writer. He's not just a walk on tour. <laughs> he does have a job and, a uh, job. It's, it's crazy to think you should buy his books. His books are fantastic. So tell us a couple that you've written and oh, we can, we'll um, talk. I was a reporter in Las Vegas for several years covering the poker tour. So I wrote about my experience experiences in a book called Las Vegas. And I also spent a lot of time in strip clubs. So I wrote about those experiences as well. So that's Las Vegas. Um, you don't have to. Tea. Yeah. It's hard to tea. understand. Yeah. Lost. Lost. Well, you know, Vegas. I have my thick New York accent and now yeah. LA vocal fry. So Las <laughs> Vegas uh, is a book. You don't need to know poker to enjoy it. So. Right. Um, which is good. And, you know, I felt like I was able to catch, capture what the big poker boom was like, you know, 15 years ago in Vegas. Yes, so, very um, good. I wrote a couple novels. The latest is called Fried Peaches. It's a rock and roll novel, and you should definitely check it out. It's available on uh, all ebook. It's an ebook, so and it's not very expensive. It's very very good, and yeah. all of you listening will dig it. It's very music. It's it's Polly kind of making up exactly what his life would be like if he was in a band. Yeah, it's, it's about a one hit wonder and struggling in a shitty band today. Yeah, so, you know, you, you read it in anybody that's been on Fish Tour, you'll see all the similarities. It's awesome. It's funny as hell. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. No, it's great. You it's great. I really, I enjoyed it. Okay. So awesome. Um, that's that's pretty much it. You make sure you're following them on Tal Poly on Twitter and Coventry Music Blog, or just Coventry Music, right? Coventry Music, yeah. And hey, is the Twitter? Where we go? All my friends ask me like, "Hey, what's up with your friend Memo? Why does he wear the helmet?" So okay. I don't know if like, you know, we might have a lot of new listeners listening to this today that really might, okay. might not know you. So what's the deal with the helmet? So the deal with the helmet is I like to party. That's what I tell people <laughs> at shows. Uh, when people ask me, like when they're all looked out at a show, people come up to me and they're like, oh, what do you, what's with the helmet? Why do you wear that? I go, I like to party. And I say it as matter of fact as I can. And right. I just love to watch people's reactions. And okay. it's, um, the reason is uh, my my good buddy and I annoyed uh, one one show before July before Fourth of July. It's back, I think it was. Okay, uh, we're just we wanted to buy a bunch of like American flag stuff just to wear for whatever, and we were walking through like the dollar bins at Target, and there was this army helmet, and he's like, "Dude, look at this!" I go, "I'll buy that. I'll wear that to a show." <laughs> so I wore it, and it was just like this little piece of plastic thing, and I wore right. it to like four or five shows. It looks there's a couple of pictures. I look like an idiot in it. It's it's horrible. Like it's just this like kid's helmet. And I left it in his car and then I flew to Denver for twenty twelve. And the first show, and I'm like, I need to get a helmet out here. So we went to a thrift store. <laughs> I walk in, I'm like, Do you have any helmets here? And they show me like four racks of the most ridiculous stuff I've ever seen in my life. So there was a kid's whitewater rafting helmet. I grabbed that and that's first show for that helmet was the fuck your face show wow um Whoa. so it had a quite initiation to or initiation yeah. to the fish world and from that point forward it's only missed one show and that was at 
MSG when they confiscated it, and it almost happened again this run, but we got it through. So wow! So 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 twenty twelve dicks the fuck your face show was his first one. Yeah, that's where it debuted. That's where it debuted. Wow! So you, and you and wear, it's just you wear to every show. Now, do you wear it to other shows? Nope, nope, nope. So if you go to an after show, you don't wear it. If if I, if if I've been partying pretty hard in an after show and I forget to take it off, okay. it'll be on, All right, which so has happened many show. times. Okay. Um, but usually I try to take it off and I don't wear it to any other show. No, so like just you go to Radiohead, you don't wear it at Radiohead? No, no Radiohead. So do you have like some other shtick for Radiohead? Like, are you no, no, or Aqueous. No, I just, yeah, just you're not the regular old the memo. Like you're that guy, the kimono guy at Radiohead. <laughs> you know, you're <laughs> no, I'm just regular kimono. old boring memo. I'm not super, hu- super power long okay. memo. All right. I just didn't know. I mean, I didn't know if you had like, you know, this other whole life as a Radiohead fan and. You had like the daily paranoid Android where you like you break down every version of paranoid Android ever did. And it's like, man, that Eindhoven show in 2007, like <laughs> ripped up that solo, man. Nasty. Oh so, my I God. Always wondered, I always wondered, you have all this, like, you know, you have all this energy you to do so many things. Yeah. And it's no, just amazing I'm... what you do. So oh, for stop. that, I want to say thank you. Stop. So you make all me right. laugh. So no, no, seriously, like you do a really good thing for this community. Uh, so on right. behalf of that, all my friends, I want to say thank you, Mr. Yeah, well, Memo. To all Polly's friends, you're all good people. I've met quite a few of you. Um, so yeah, the helmet just became a thing of its own. It's just fun, and now it's its own thing, so it's fun. All right. And there's you know there's definitely times that I've partied, and I've been happy to have it on, so there's no doubt about that. All right. Well, thank you for the origin story about the, uh, yeah. the thing. This is our bonus episode of Daily Soundtrack, <laughs> the helmet episode. The helmet episode. So, all right, Polly. Well, hey, thanks, thanks for, for coming on. Me. Thanks for having Painting me. a little bit of a picture, and uh, we'll be playing the sound check. I'll give a little backstory on on Pan Am Center with some history, and uh, we'll get into that. So, thanks, Polly. Uh, you're the best, dude. Thank you. I want to thank Polly McGuire for coming on the show again. Polly, I thought you did a great job. Thanks for painting an awesome picture of '99 for us, and you made us all laugh uh, yet again. So, appreciate it, buddy. So let's talk a little bit about where this soundcheck took place first, and that is the Pan American Center at Las Cruces, New Mexico. And that is located at New Mexico State University, and the venue itself holds about 12,000, about 12 and a half, and it was finished building in 1968. It cost three and a half million at the time, and it's named for its location just off Interstate 25, which is also known as the Pan American Highway. And it has always had some sort of parquet floor. It's kind of its signature look. All these different parquet floors, there's been four of them that have come in its existence. In 2006 and 2007, there was a $23 million renovation, which tripled the restrooms. So again, that was after 1999. So I imagine there wasn't a lot of places to go relieve yourself. Now, the thing about the Pan Am Center, it was definitely used as a concert venue. It was the largest venue on Interstate 10 between Houston and Phoenix. So most bands that were booking shows in Houston and Phoenix, they would stop at the Pan American Center. It was right on the way, easy way to make a little bit extra revenue and get one more show in. Special events director Barbara Hubbard has one of my favorite kind of talking shit quotes. She goes, it would be easier to complete a list of major recording artists that have not played the Pan Am Center than it would be to make a list of those who have played it. Aw, shit, talking stuff in New Mexico. So, again, uh, it's also very been home to, as 
You could imagine New Mexico, numerous bull riding and professional wrestling events. But it's got a good list of, of concert artists for sure. And it's it's been, you know, uh, a pretty awesome place to see some music. And they've had a pretty good basketball team a bunch of times over there. So now we'll get into the sound check. Now let's get into today's sound check, which is September 22nd, 1999 at the Pan American Center in Las Cruces, New Mexico. One of the funniest sound checks there is. Again, this came from from the archives from Big Cypress as people were in the crazy wall of traffic, this was going on. And our good friend Scott Bernstein actually went on the After Midnight Cypress uh, soundcheck or uh, podcast that we have, and he was describing he was at anxiety in traffic. And this soundcheck kind of cooled him down, made him laugh, and he felt a lot better after this. So, again, Shapiro, we appreciate you releasing this to us, and it's a great snapshot into the hilariousness of fish. This soundcheck is called the Dixie Scotland Show, or the Dixie Scotland Soundcheck. And Dixie Scotland is the name, the nickname for Richard Glasgow, who was the tour manager of Fish at the time. He went to New Mexico State, where this uh, soundcheck took place and show took place. And their mascot is the Aggies, and they are, you will hear that mentioned all throughout the soundcheck. Now, Dave Steinberg is ZZYZX on Twitter. You may know him. He's the guy that do, does all the stats on Fish.net. And Fish refers to him as the timer, who, and he also went to New Mexico State. So there's a little background. You've got the tour manager, Richard Glasgow, Dixie Scotland, and the timer, which is Dave Zizix, mentioned in this. Now, it is very funny. They joke around, and they turn this into a little bit of thing about Jewish heritage in the band, how half the band is Jewish. And you know what? It's a little Jew grass, as they call it. It is just a great snapshot into how much fun fish can have on stage. So here we go. We'll get into this a little bit. Again, this is the Dixie Scotland show from September 22nd, 1999 at the Pan American Center in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Scotland show. Dickie 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 Scotland show. Dickie
So pretty hilarious sound check. One of the funnier ones that we will be able to visit. We got a couple good funny ones in in the future, but that is certainly one of the greats. And as Polly and I talked about, I'm going to play you a bonus track, and we're going to play the show opening 2001. If you know me, I am a massive, massive fan of 2001. I did the jam chart for Fish.net with a couple of my friends, uh, Brandon and Matt, and we did we went through everything. So if you ever have any questions on 2001, I'm here to help you. And this opening 2001, which opened the show, is a pretty awesome version, and it's really good at representation of 1999. Very, very groove-oriented, but it's got a little fire. It's got that 90s fire that makes 2001 such a badass tune. And again, this was a little bit unusual opening the show. So we started our show for you, the Daily Soundcheck, with the Encore LaGrange. And now we're going to go reverse all the way to the beginning and the show opening 2001. Pay attention to uh, the jam. The flow of 2001 goes like this. There's the intro. There's the composed section. The dan, dan, dan. That's kind of the theme of 2001. And then there's the jam after that. And then there'll be one more composed section. And then there's the outro. That's how the flow of 2001 works. So the jam here is really the star, although the intro is very spacey and like way out there, which is kind of cool. The jam's really cool in between the two composed sections. So again, this is the 2001, which opened the show September 22nd, 1999 at the Pan Am Center in Las Cruces, New Mexico.
So again, this was episode 71 of the Daily Soundcheck. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Again, my thanks to Polly McGuire for being our guest. Great job, Polly. And everybody, thanks for coming to check the show out. We've got awesome sound checks coming up. And if you know where we are on September 29th, 1999, you know what's coming shortly. So stay tuned. We'll be back very shortly with the Daily Soundcheck. Again, enjoy your fish and peace be the journey. And have fun planning your summer tour, which got announced today. Thanks, everybody. Take care. This is Mike Ganser of Aqueous letting you know the Daily Soundcheck is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris connects you with podcasts, videos, and live experiences about the artists and topics you love. Visit OsirisPod.com to check out our shows. Osiris works in partnership with Jambase, which connects music fans with the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Check them out at Jambase.com.